Welcome to No No Ordinary Ordinary Women, Women. the podcast where two ordinary broads chat about extraordinary women, the good, the bad, and And the the shit crazy. You're supposed to play the music there, Rose. (laughs) (laughs) She fucked it up last week. So it's been, it'll be two weeks before they hear this, but I messed up the music. I could hear the music in the intro. I did. A, I changed it a little so it would play like during when we're talking because yeah, I like fine. it better like that. Lynn says she can't hear it today but when when deaf, it came so. when it came out today. Okay, so I was like, "That's weird. I can hear it." So I asked my husband Chris, and he says he can hear it. He said he can't hear it. I mean, he said he can't hear it. That's right. right. And so I'm like, Lynn. This is why I tell you to listen to the fucking episode when I edit it, and not on the day it comes out. I totally forgot. You guys, this is what I have to deal with every week. I have a I'm carrying this podcast on, on my, my back. back. On my back. I just offered to do something, and she just snatched it right away from me. So let's not what say did she's you carrying it on her back. Let's say she's enjoying controlling the whole thing. I am very controlling. <laughs> and honestly, I'm just like, go ahead. What did do you, what did you, what I did said I... that I would do the, if we started making it, oh, God damn my shoulder. If we started making it more like a blog, I said I would do, take our stories and make them into a blog post. I didn't say I was going to do that. And then, and you're like, okay. But then you said, send me your story. So I figured that's oh, what no, you were doing. Oh, no, that's not what I was doing. I was doing that for social media. What? Because I put it into the ch- chat. I'm going to. Did you do it? Did take, I'm going the chat GPT. I can talk. I'm not talking. The chat. I know. That's oh, social media. Yeah, you can put it to do your social media captions. That's what I did last week, and uh, I told you, and you were like, "Oh, it sounds so good." I thought you were doing the the abbreviated. Okay. No. Okay. Well, then I'll still do it. Well, you didn't even do it, so what does it matter? Well, I didn't because I thought you were doing it. Oh, just today you thought I was going to do it. Well, I'm not going to do it for the Q&A. How would I do it for the Q&A? We just started talking about this last week. God damn. So y'all are invited to our roundtable discussion. <laughs> last week. Q&A. Not T&A. <laughs> oh, my God, y'all. It's it's Thursday. We it's, both had a long day, so we're yes, very, very snappy. Long day. <laughs> I think we both have PMS. It's lo- yes, very much so. Like I keep looking around my house, being like, I need to throw away that. I need to throw away that. I need, when I have PMS, yeah. I throw away everything. And then, like three weeks later, I'm like, Where is that shirt? <laughs> oh, that's right. I threw it away. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I do that all. I don't. I don't throw it in the garbage. I like recycle and give stuff away and stuff but the way i know is that i'm like oh my god why are you so irritating <laughs> not you but like anybody that's everybody. talking to me yeah somebody that opens their mouth or I'm breathes like, near you yeah like like unreasonably be unreasonably be <laughs> unreasonably <laughs> irritated by people yeah and then this morning i have i i had uh uh my a yearly mammogram get your mammograms ladies um at I make the first appointment because I feel like they can't be running behind if you get the first appointment. Yeah. <laughs> and so I went. It was at seven. I had to be there at six forty-five, which was a oh my god, what are you thinking? Ruggle. But you get in and out. I'm I'm out of there before seven thirty. Oh. It's so nice. Yeah. And um, so I went and had that done, and I got home and I walked. I walked up on my porch and I was like, ah! <laughs> like I screamed, and there was a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> next to my porch, like in the corner between my house and my little 
steps. And I was like, oh, my God. And it looked so, like, scared and cold. I mean, I don't know what a scared and cold chicken looks like. But I just felt like <laughs> it was cold this morning, first of all. And I felt but really sorry for it. Cold? I guess they probably do. Yeah. I mean, because like, it would probably go inside of its house. Yeah. Like the little hen house or whatever. It's called a coop. But so I put a uh, notice out to my neighbors. And one of my neighbors, uh, they have chickens. And... Three of them were still not located oh, as no. of like 10 o'clock this morning. We found one of my neighbor's dead chickens in my other neighbor's yard the other oh. day. Charlotte's like, what is that? And so she went and told the neighbors, a bunch of kids in that house. And Ugh. they like scooped it up. I don't know what they did with it. Yeah, there was a dead chicken um, down the street from it. You know, it's funny. I never saw this shit when I lived out in the county. We had two acres. We lived around farms. Yeah. Now I live in the city and I see this shit all the time. <laughs> That's because everyone has chickens now. Well, it's because you can't afford eggs. So my no, mom, eggs are cheap again. My mom, are they? Have they I'm sorry, home? but eggs cannot possibly be more less expensive than chickens. I mean, sorry, more expensive than chickens. Well, no. So what happened was that bird flu. Yeah, so well, that's was, done already. Yeah, they but that's, that's why they were so expensive because all these birds died. These yeah. chickens died. And, and so but that, people had chickens before the, the avian flu. No, I'm saying, but there was there was like that when... So the flu got spread around from the from the hurricane or something that hit the East Coast. Okay. And, like, there was a bunch of birds that got, like, relocated and ended up in other farms and infecting. And it, like, wipes out. Yeah. Like, that one little farm that I follow in Florida, they, they lost 50 birds in, like, three days. So, but like, what's I'm that talking, like, ducks, with, all that stuff. What's that have to do with people having chickens? Nothing has to do with people having chickens, but I'm saying that has to do with the quantity of eggs being produced. Because if you if you have a chicken farm that you're like an egg farm, like you're you're just selling eggs, right? Let's just say you have 500 hens and you're just selling eggs, and some random bird lands on your farm and spreads this virus to your all your hens, and they all get it within two days and they all die. Then you're no longer pro- providing. 10 million eggs. Yeah, but what I'm saying is everybody has chickens now. And you're, you were saying you it's because eggs were so expensive. Do you have chickens? I don't, but like four Me of my either, neighbors so do. Everybody doesn't. <laughs> and we're the most important bitch. people. <laughs> I would love to have chickens. I would love to, but they I attract... Um, I don't like chickens. I would love to have a chicken coop. I think it'd be so cool, but chickens attract... So the feed and the eggs Foxes. attract snakes and rats and stuff like that. And, and so then foxes. you have all those itch- issues. And so I'm like, no, thanks. I just want the chickens. I don't want the rats. I don't want the snakes. I don't want the foxes. I don't want the hawks well, diving down into my yard. When I was in seventh grade, oh, here we go. our science project was to raise baby chicks. Like we had to hatch them and raise them. Okay? We had to hatch chicks and raise them. For real? Yeah. Real, like, live. That's awful. Yeah. And I got fucking scabies from my chick. Rose. Scabies, How many people's Len? chicks died? Probably a lot. That's did, awful. We just had die. to raise an unhard-boiled egg. Well, we raised an actual chick. and That's... I got fucking scabies. And ever Wait. since then, I don't like birds. Where did you keep it? In my room. That's no. why I got scabies. Rose. Lynn, that's what everyone did. But I was the only one who got scabies. Rose, here's the thing. I think we have a lawsuit here. Let's talk about this after the show. I wonder I if they still do that. There's no way. You can't do that. You can't expect somebody to bring That's a chicken Hawaii. into their you house. You can do anything. Hawaii, we also had to go and wash dishes in the ki- in the school kitchen. 
when we were in elementary school. That was like every like fourth through sixth grader had to go to the kitchen and wash dishes once a month. Yeah, those women were smart that worked in that kitchen. I so know. They're they like, let's teach the kids. Well, we had here. to like serve the food. Like you had to work in the cafeteria, serve what? the food, clean up, wash the dishes. Yeah. It was very smart if you think about it. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's a brown kids too. (laughs) But we actually like, why do I have to do it every year? (laughs) We actually loved it because we got an ice, ice, icy after, and um, you got to skip class, which was amazing. Oh, speaking of nothing, um, (laughs) I just just dawned on me when I took a sip of my drink. Tonight's cocktail. Oh yeah, it's really Uh, good. I had a work event today at four, so I didn't have time to make a cocktail. And I'm going to keep wincing in the middle of the thing because I have a pulled muscle in my shoulder. Sorry. Um, anyway, I went to Brazos Tacos. Holler, holla, holla to Brazos Tacos. Shout out to them. Um, we're drinking the skinny watermelon jalapeno margaritas. They are such good It's really, really good. And then Much better have, than Lynn's. For the second half. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. I take it back. I'm just kidding. You better. You better take it all back. It was just a little joke for our fans. Oh, is it? Our one fan? (laughs) Our fan. (laughs) You mean the one you plug in, high, medium, low? (laughs) And then the second half, we have lavender margaritas, lavender skinny margaritas. Ooh. So those will be fun. Lavender. Lavender. Okay. Anyway. You want to start today? (sighs) Yes, I do. Oh, my God. I can't find my mouse. All right, Speaking you ready? Speaking of rats and snakes. <laughs> My mouse has disappeared. All right, Lynn, are you ready? Are you ready? I'm as ready as I'll ever be. All right. All right, you're done. Great! That was such a good story! <laughs> Did you enjoy that? Time to go home. Oh, my God. All right, we've got to hurry up. i got to pack for my trip. All right. Victoria California Claflin was born on September 23rd, 1838 in Homer, Ohio. Mm. I thought you were going to say Homer, Alaska. I didn't know there was a Homer, Ohio. Oh, my God. That's why it sounded familiar to me. Cause, yeah. Oh, it's, it's like yeah. Homer is such a cool little town. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. To an illiterate mother and a father who is a petty criminal. Oh, so you and Chris. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Chris is driving down the road. <laughs> that bitch. He is a petty criminal. He stole, she, he stole your heart. You know, Chris is like the opposite of a criminal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> she, she was the seventh of ten children, but was closest to her sister, Tennessee Celeste Claflin, who was seven years younger than her and the baby of the family. I guess they named them all after states, all ten of them. Because oh, she's had 50. She's Victoria, California, and I'm her sister, Tennessee. I know, that's gave, what it, they, they were up. probably trying to get up to 50. They gave up. That's they should have started at one, though, you know? Don't start something you can't finish, people. I know. And you're jumping to California and then going back to Tennessee? You need to start at, like, what was the first state? Follow the zip codes, man. Virginia. No, it was Virgi- Virginia wasn't the first one. It Boston. was, like, up in. Oh, well, yeah, I guess so. When I was thinking zip code-wise, it'd be, like, up in New York and Connecticut what up is in it? that area. What is the zip code up there? One? Yeah. <laughs> it is. It starts with a one. No, but I'm just like one. Oh, just one? It's just one. (laughs) Anyway, when Victoria was little, she told everyone that she was guided and protected by spirits, and she believed that she could communicate with her three siblings who had died in infancy. Oh, weird. She also claimed to have spiritual clairvoyance and the ability to tell fortunes. 
Her family was very poor, and she didn't attend school until she was eight years old, and then had to leave three years later after her father burned down their grist mill for the insurance money. Because remember, he's a petty criminal. He's a petty criminal. And so this was in 1845-ish, okay? Mm -hmm. 18... That's a good year. Close to 1850. And they had insurance companies back then. Uh Isn't that crazy? Back then, the insurance company, the insurance guy would go door to door and sell the insurance. Yeah. And then he would go door to door monthly to collect the your premium. Oh, really? Yeah. It's so weird to me. Like, I mean, they did that until like the 50s. I thought everyone was like riding on horseback and shooting at each other back then. I mean, In some they places they were. Were like, I had insurance companies. Yeah, State Farm just had its... When I was there, it had it like 70th anniversary, not just, but so that was like maybe 90th or something. But that's, oh, yeah. That's a long time Interesting, yeah. So they had to flee the area, and because her father was always looking for a good money-making scheme, he put her and her sister, Tennessee, to work telling fortunes and contacting spirits. And so um, the family, like, went town to town as, like, an alternative healing business. Oh, uh, um, with the wagon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you remember that Little House on the Prairie? They would, like, the, the healers would come into town? Oh, no. The gypsies or whatever they... Oh, oh really? That's not, that's not proper to say anymore. Sorry. That's what they were called back, back then. Um, but, yeah, they would come in on the wagon, and, like, they'd have all the healing potions and stuff like that. I never saw that. Yeah. Um, and so she would... They would, like, give massages and offer cures for diseases... Very weird. But she and her sister were like were actually working, supporting the family because <laughs> they were the ones telling fortunes. So when she was 14, guess what happened? What happened? She got pregnant. She Close. got married. She went to see a doctor for a chronic illness, and that is where she met her future husband, 28-year-old Canning Woodhull. And she was how old? 14. Canning was a doctor from Rochester, New York, and this was before, like, any kind of um, medical education or licensing was required. Right. Um, at least in New York State. It was just, like, two years of school. And so it wasn't even a license. Yeah. But you it just wasn't, went to school for, like, two years. But you didn't even need formal education. Like, yeah. you could just, Ugh. I don't know, read a book. So I just looked it up. The first insurance company in the U.S. dates back to the colonial days, the Philadelphia Contribution Ship co-founded by Ben Franklin in 1752. That's insane. Isn't that crazy? That is so insane. A lot of money in insurance, Rose. So this is what gets me. It's like, okay, they had insurance companies, but doctors didn't even have to be, like, have any education. (laughs) I think we're focusing on the wrong thing, you know? We're still doing that, Rose. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's the drag queens that are the problems. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Mm. And that statue in Italy with the naked guy. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Straight up porn. So disgusting. I can't believe they showed that to sixth oh, graders. Sixth graders. Like they've never seen a penis before. I know. Oh, a little one. <laughs> that penis is very little. I don't know. I don't think David's that little. You don't think his penis is little? No, it's not that little. It's very little, Lynn. No, it's not. I, well, I don't know what you've been seeing. I, have you been there? Have you? I've seen pictures of it. I've been there in person. It doesn't look very little to me. Oh, maybe I mean, you haven't seen a big penis before. It's not erect, but it's a fairly 
good size, normal size for a is it unerect penis? Okay, all right. Let me get my pictures out. <laughs> you have close ups. <laughs> I zoomed right on in, girls. <laughs> I guarantee Lynn does have close ups. And then I use the measuring app. <laughs> <laughs> it's about eight and a half inches. That would have been erect. really funny about it. <laughs> next time, it. next time, next time for sure. <laughs> next time. Anywho. So they get married in 1853, right after she had turned 15. So he's 29. Oh, she's she's an old maid by then. Yeah. And not very long after, she has a baby. And she also finds out why Canning couldn't get a woman his own age, because he was a raging alcoholic, and he, like, constantly cheated on her. And so her son, who was born in 1854 had some kind of um, intellectual disabilities, didn't say, like, what. They just said he had intellectual disabilities. So now she's 16, married to a 30-year-old cheating alcoholic, Hmm. taking care of a disabled baby. Oh, my God. uh, You know, presumably by herself. And she has no education. And she's also taking care of her drunk husband. Yeah. She has, you know, three years of, like, third-grade education. Mm-hmm. Or she has a third grade education. Um, And then she went on to have a daughter named Zula in 1861. So in 1865, she was like, I have had enough. This marriage is shit. And so she divorced (laughs) Kenny. She said, you, bye. Uh, Bye. Uh, uh, Bye. And after her divorce, she became an advocate for the free love movement. Which argued that individuals should be able to remain with romantic partners as long as they choose and then move on instead of marrying for life. So they can have incidents anytime they want. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Incidents all around. All around. Incident here, incident there, incident, incident everywhere. So she's not saying, like, people should cheat on their spouses, but she's saying that if a woman gets married, she shouldn't be forced to stay with her her husband. If he's abusive or they're just like it's a loveless marriage or whatever reason you'd get divorced that she should be able to leave him and not be and if you're just walking down the street you trip and fall with the guy that you're talking to and you end up having sex by accident then i mean it's okay it's what happens sometimes i just tripped and fell i don't know how that got in there (laughs) so um at that time you weren't really allowed to divorce like by law right women weren't allowed to divorce um but somehow she got a divorce and she like truly believed like if I'm unhappy, I'm not staying in this divorce, in this marriage and I should be able to leave whenever I want. Mm-hmm. And so she believed in monogamous relationships, although she still had she said she still had the right to change her mind at any point. Like heard. Yeah. And so she went around giving speeches to promote the free love movement and it w- in what became known as the Steinway speech, delivered on Monday, November 20th, 1871, in Steinway Hall, New York City, Victoria said of free love, Yes, I am a free lover. I have an in 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 eight oh my god. I have an inalienable constitutional and natural right to love whom I may to love as long or as short a period as I can, to change that love every day if I please, and with that right, neither you nor any law can frame, any law you can frame have any right to interfere. Isn't that amazing? That is pretty cool. I mean, for us, it's like obvious. Yeah, but for a woman back then to stand up and say that is is pretty intense. Amazing, yeah. Yeah. 
So after her divorce, she and her sister, Tennessee, um, went on the road working as mediums telling fortunes. And this is where they met Cornelius Vanderbilt, who, just by his name, you can tell, was a very wealthy man. And they, he had hired them to contact his dead wife. Like he, I guess, hmm. believed that they could contact her. Hmm. And he gave them some kind of financial advice. I couldn't find out what that was. Um, but they used that advice to build their savings up to $700,000. Oh, my God. Which is $15 million now. Oh Why can't I do that? <laughs> you just need a little financial advice. Yeah, that's all I need. And in 1870, they used those funds to start a brokerage company called Woodall, Woodhall Claflin and Company. They were the first women to operate a financial firm on Wall Street. Wow. They were often referred to as the bewitching brokers and queens of finance by the press. That's pretty cool. Victoria found that her popularity and financial success allowed her to pursue her political agenda, which included improving rights for women, workers, and the poor. In 1866, she got married again to Colonel James Harvey Blood, who had served in the Union Army in Missouri during the Civil War and had been elected as a city auditor of St. Louis, Missouri. Harvey. James Har- James Harvey Blood. Yeah, but they called him Harvey. Did they? No, I have no idea. I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> I was like, really? How do you know? <laughs> he was part of Louisiana Purchase. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense, Lynn. <laughs> Oh, my God. If that really happened, I would have died. <laughs> oh, my God. I heard so much love. <laughs> I would fall out of my seat. <laughs> In May of 1870, Victoria and Tennessee started publishing Woodhull and Claflin's Weekly, which was a newspaper with a variety of articles on such topics as women's suffrage, spiritualism, spiritualism vegetarianism, free love, and socialism. And the newspaper was obviously very controversial and became notable for publishing the first English-language copy of Karl Marx's The Communist Manifesto. So Victoria was very involved in the women's suffrage movement and often spoke at suffrage conventions. And in 1871, she became the first woman to testify before a committee of the U.S. US House of Representatives. She argued in front of the House Judiciary Judiciary Committee that American women already possessed the right to vote under the 14th and 15th Amendments and called on them to draft legislation that clarified women's rights to vote. And I don't know what the 14th and 15th Amendments are, but her argument failed to persuade the committee to take any action, of course, because she's just some dumb woman. And I'm sure it was all men, you know. The 14th Amendment um, ratified two years later in 68. The 14th Amendment granted citizenship to all persons born or naturalized in the United States, including formerly enslaved people, and provided all citizens with equal protection under the laws extended to the provisions of hold on, the Bill of Rights to the States. What was the 15th? Authorized the government to punish states that abridge citizens' right to vote by proportionally reducing representation in Congress. And then the 15th Amendment uh, prohibits the federal government in each state from denying or abridging a citizen's right to vote on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. It was ratified 
1870 is the third and last Reconstruction Amendment. Okay, so she's saying that under those amendments, she should have had the right to vote, and she didn't. Wow. Because they were like, eh, we make the rules here. Yeah, they they make the amendment, you know. Our founding fathers make this amendment, and then people's are like, oh, no, we're not going to do that. No, we're not going <laughs> to yeah, do that. No, like, no, no. Okay, yeah. It's we're like, just we're gonna, saying that we're, we're going to read it. it and take it in a different way, or we're just going to pretend like it's not there. Yeah, exactly. Like people do with the Bible. They're going to read it and take it in their own way. So in 1872, she helped to establish the Equal Rights Party and became the first woman to run for president of the United States. Nice. Did you I know that happen me- all the way back then? I remember when um, Hillary was running, and they were like, um, oh, it's the first woman. And, and people were like, no, it's not the first woman. I remember people like like news channels like correcting the fact that it wasn't the first yeah. woman to run. And that back then this woman ran. And I was like, wait, what? And was she the only one in between her and Hillary? Like, was it just I, her and then Hillary? I don't know. I feel like when I read it, uh, when they talked about it, I feel like it, there wasn't another one. Wow. That would be crazy. I mean, there was vice presidents. Yeah. So announcing her campaign, she wrote this to the New York Herald. While others argued the equality of women of women with men, I proved it by successfully engaging in business. While others sought to show that there was no valid reason why women should be treated socially and politically as a being inferior to man, I boldly entered the arena of politics and business and exercised the rights I had already possessed. And as you know, since it's 2023 and we still have not had a female president... Her uh, presidential campaign did not go well. (laughs) Victoria Claflin Woodhull in 1872. Uh, Belva Ann Bennett Lockwood in 1884 and 1888. Margaret Chase Smith in 1964. Jeez, from 1888 to 1964? Yeah. I guess women just gave up for a while there. She was the first, uh, Margaret Chase Smith was the first woman to have her name placed on in nomination for president by a major party. Okay. Um, Shirley Anita Chisholm in 1972 was the first African-American woman to seek a majority's party nomination for U.S. president. She seeked, I don't, it doesn't say she got it, but it's. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I'm just like, I was, on and on. I was like, all these women. I'm like, I didn't know all these women. Like, it's crazy. Go well, ahead. when you were talking, I was like, oh my God, am I recording? <laughs> oh my God. Fucking I, would, I would be like, we're not, we're going to do it another day. <laughs> There's going to be no episode. All right. So on November 8th, I'm sorry, on November 2nd, 1872, which was election day, her newspaper store, her newspaper published a story featuring. Henry Ward Beecher's affair with Theodore Tilton's wife, Ooh. Elizabeth Richards Tilton. And do you know anything about Henry Beecher? I've heard of him. Um, so he was an American clergyman, social reformer, and speaker known for his support of the abolishment of slavery, his emphasis on God's love, and his 1875 adultery trial, <laughs> which was this. So he had, he had an affair with God. He had an affair with um, Theodore Tilton's wife. Mm. I don't know who the hell that is. Mm. So he had denounced free love, but the article in Victoria's paper said that his um, he was secretly practicing the free love doctrines. 
And later that day, Victoria, Tennessee, and Colonel Blood were arrested and charged with publishing an obscene paper and circulating it through the United States Postal Service. They were all eventually acquitted a month later, but during the election, Victoria received no electoral votes. So it's no surprise, you know, that they took her and threw her in jail on election day. Unfortunately, her legal issues lasted for several years. There were many other lawsuits against stuff she had published, her and her sister had published. And she was forced to shut down the paper. Nearing bankruptcy and divorce from her second husband, she had like $15 million. Well, oh my God. Nowadays, but she's almost bankrupt. They didn't like what she was posting or printing. So would she live in, tell me, Kentucky, Tennessee, Texas, or Florida? Which one? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ready, set, go. Florida. So she moved with Tennessee to England in 1877, where she married aristocratic banker John Biddulph Martin in 1883. She took part Johnny in boy. she took part in the British women's suffrage movement, and together with her daughter, published a journal called Humanitarian from 1892 to 1901, which was focused on the well-being of humanity. And I read a little bit about it. It sounds like it was also a little controversial. Victoria lived in the English countryside until her death in 1987 at the age of 88. 1987? 1927. Did I say 87? I think you said 87. I was like, wait, why did she live that long? Because I was probably already reading 88. I had a couple (laughs) beers, but I got 87. Hmm. (laughs) It's my graduation year. So that's, I mean, pretty amazing that she went from being like poor with no education. And she had all that money. And then she had to running. Yeah. To having a, it was also she. I think she was the first woman to have a brokerage firm. Oh, really? Yeah. Ooh. So I mean, that's amazing. Well, the fact that they they had their own, yeah. I mean, that's back then women weren't allowed to do any of that shit. That's no amazing. Kidding. Good for her. And she had no education at all. I mean, she a badass. She is a badass. Yes. Yes, ma'am. All right. You want to eat some dinner? No, but we can break. Take a okay. Break. Well, I'm gonna eat some dinner. I'm right. gonna watch me eat. Alright,ちゃちまんちょうしほうおいてきてみんどんおれライブおれライブおれライブおれライブおれライブおれライブおれライブおれライブおれライブおれライブおれライブおれライブおれライブおれライブおれライブおれライブおれライブおれライブおれ
but he hid it really well. Was he, he an was asshole? Creepy. Oh, he was weird, Rose. I know he was weird. Yeah, he pretended those... he was crying because I said oh, I was going yeah. to leave to go home because it was eight thirty and I had been working since you know I was like. <laughs> Whatever, dude. Um, remember when he came to our soccer game and he was wearing those huge pants? <laughs> no. Was that him? Huge I just pants. remember, I think it was him that he came to our soccer game and he was wearing like these ginormous jeans. And we were all like, what the fuck? Ginormous jeans. Maybe we didn't tell you about it. We didn't tell you we were teasing him. Oh, I'm sure you were. Behind your back. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure I you were. I thought you knew. He was a weirdo, he but I try. I was trying to not ju- prejudge, and that's what I got. So now I'll just be single and drink margaritas and wine, and I'll be fine. Okay, <laughs> hold on, liver, for a ride of your life. <laughs> your liver's used to it. Yeah. So today, Rose, I'm going to talk about Rachel Carson. You know who she is? I have never heard of her. I had neither until I did a little research. She was a world-renowned... Is she a mar- marine biologist? Shut up. You know that because I told you that. <laughs> you would never have known that in a million years. They didn't teach you that in Hawaii. <laughs> hey, if I learned one thing in Hawaii, it would have been that. <laughs> no, it would have been how to wash dishes and, and paint a kitchen with oil-based paint. <laughs> when Rose was like 12, her mom gave her a can of oil-based paint and told her to paint the kitchen by the time she got home. She was 12. And it was she didn't oil tell me it was oil-based. I had painted before, but never used oil-based. And she had it everywhere. So I was dumping in the backyard, dumping, um, what is the stuff you used to get oil-based paint off? Turpentine. Yeah. Dumping it all over myself and all over the, the yard. Everything. Gotten into all the yeah. pineapple fields. That's why there's no pineapple farms in Hawaii anymore because of rose. <laughs> <laughs> Contaminated all the goddamn water. Yeah. <laughs> I oh sing- single-handedly ruined the pineapple crops. Yeah, you did. You did. So she was a world-renowned marine biologist, novelist, and environmentalist who is an aquatic biologist and editor-in-chief for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Her primary literary works have been linked with inspiring the modern environmental movement in the United States. I feel like my nieces are going to... Oh, I almost dropped my computer. Sorry. That's an iPad. It's the only computer I have, Rose. (laughs) Stop making fun of me. <laughs> I'm not rich like you and your husband. Yeah, you know me. Just rolling in the money. It's all Bethany would buy me. <laughs> oh, my God. You should tell that story. I know. She should listen to us. I'll have to reach out to her. Oh, yeah. Like, she would like this podcast. No, she probably wouldn't. She would no, not. she would. She wouldn't. She would like, she totally like it while would she's not. Tra- Why do you think no? She doesn't like that kind of humor. She loves me, Rose. I don't no, know about you. She probably loves hates you. you but she... <gasps> Lynn doesn't know the looks I get from people when she's not looking. <laughs> <laughs> That's because Rose always farts in public and blames it on me. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> okay. Back to the story. Okay. She was an outstanding woman who broke down barriers and changed the nation's perception of the dangers of man-made chemicals. Rachel was the youngest of three children to Robert and Maria McLean Carson. She was born on a farm in Springdale, Pennsylvania on May 27, 1907. She always had a love for reading and writing. She inherited her mother's passion for the environment, and by the age of 10, she had published an article in a children's magazine. Holy shit. <laughs> by the age of 10, I was, like, still I drooling. Children's uh, magazine back in, like, 1920. 
well, 1906. Yeah, about 19. Yeah. I did and, the math in my head, Lynn. I, well, good for you, Rose. Good for fucking you. <laughs> but you can do math. You were going to correct <laughs> me, weren't you? No, I wasn't. You were like, well, it was actually I 1907. <laughs> I looked at the date and I'm like, damn, she's right. And I'm like, how does she do math that fast? She's got her calculator in her hand. Don't let her fool you. Yeah, right. I added 10 years. <laughs> yeah. In 1929, she graduated magna cum laude from Pennsylvania College for Women which is now Chatham University. Oh, my God. I went there. <laughs> Rose, taking a bus through a town does not count as going to a college. Yes, it does. Or That's how I got my degree. It's a good degree and getting on your knees. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn bought a new, car, or new rug for our, our studio. And, and it she, matches the drapes. She told me to get on my knees. Rose. So that I could please her. That's just the only room that. It was very disgusting, and I was felt very attacked in this small little room, and I couldn't yeah. get out because she's right by the door. Yeah, Crimea River. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure in ten years you'll need therapy for it. <laughs> I ten years next Friday. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> My therapist hates me so much she canceled. <laughs> That's so funny because when you told me that, I was like, I had just canceled my therapy appointment oh, for this week because I'm not going to be here. Uh, I've never, I mean, I love my old therapist. I really, really do. He's amazing. But my new therapist is a little more challenging. My old therapist and I just had this like, it would just like go sit and chat. And some people that's great, but I needed somebody to really like hold me accountable yeah. and give me, I, I needed more. And so why did she cancel on you? Her kid's sick. Oh. So, but I was like, but she, didn't she cancel on like Monday? She hates me. <laughs> no, I, my appointment's on Wednesday. She canceled on Tuesday. Oh, okay. So, All right. That's acceptable. But, um, yeah, I mean, I look forward to going because I feel like. What does she do? She tickle you? <laughs> she tickles me. She touches my leg and she's like, it's going to be okay. Lay down. <laughs> Take off your clothes. This take, is all part of the therapy. Take this pill. No, she just gives me, she like, I don't know. We were talking about different stuff and I don't know. It's just, she's just really good. Yeah, mine is too. Yeah. So I, I um, suggested Lynn's. I got Lynn her new therapist. Yeah, she did. I just need credit. Everybody pat me on the back. Yeah, it's on the fucking third floor. It's a long walk. Oh my God, don't your legs burn the, when you the go to the little I didn't, even know little there was an, I didn't even know there was an elevator until like the third Oh, there's visit. an elevator? You I didn't, didn't know, know that. that. Well, I hate elevators, but yeah. I wouldn't. I would. In that old building, I would not get in the elevator. I've been stuck I in the elevator before. No, thank you. <laughs> when I get up there, I'm like, she comes out of her office, and I'm like, oh, my God, my legs are burning. <laughs> it's like, and they're steep. <laughs> they are super They're really they're steep. They're like really old, yeah. steep stairs. Very narrow. Yeah, it's definitely not a handicap accessible <laughs> building. Um, okay. So she then attended the Woods Hole Oceanogra- Oce- Oceanography. Oceanographic Oceanographic. Institute in Massachusetts at John Hopkins University, where she earned a master's degree in biology in 1932. Due to financial limitations, she had to put off her Ph.D. studies and find employment to support her family. So her sister, Marion, was married and had two children, and her husband abandoned her early on. Oh, nice. Her father died in 1935, and then her sister... Of the one of the two children in 1937, leaving her and her mother and her nieces financially dependent upon her. Oh, my God. So she decided to take the civil service exam and receive the highest score out of all the applicants that year. Holy shit. Isn't that cool? As a woman. Yes, I love that. In 1936, she became... <laughs> 1936. <laughs> she became... 
Shuckering shuckadash. She became the second woman hired by the U.S. Bureau of Fisheries. She remained there for 15 years, writing brochures and other educational materials for the public. During the Great Depression, she created radio screenplays and did part-time work writing future feature articles on national history for the Baltimore Sun. So she was like a hard worker. She was busting her ass, like supporting yeah, well, all she had people. to support like 18 people. Yeah, I mean, she was amazing. She completed numerous writings in conservation and natural resources in addition to editing, editing scientific articles. This is fun. She also wrote brochures for housewives, instructing them how to prepare... Housewives? Housewives. Housewives. She also... What was it? Housewives? She also wrote brochures, <laughs> bitch, for housewives, instructing them on how to prepare fish facing the meat shortages during World War II. By then, it was... Odd, about then, it was odd to see women in science, which is why she was such a great inspiration for women that wanted to be more than just wives. So she was teaching them how to do, like, yeah. like survive during That's this war. Cool. That's really cool. In her free time, she turned her government research into publications. First, an article called Under Sea in 1937 for the Atlantic Monthly. Then in a book, Under the Sea Wind in 1941. Rose, stop making so much noise. <laughs> I had my mouth full of water, too. I was like, <laughs> she had her mouth full of some water. Lynn did make me get on my knees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. You're disgusting. You're the disgusting one. In 1952, she published her prize-winning study of the ocean. It was called The Sea Around Us. It was highlighted in the, in the New Yorker and sold quickly worldwide. She won a National Book Award and a National Science Writing Prize and... A Guggenheim Fellowship. You know the Guggenheim Museum? That's like freaking huge. So she ended up at that point, she decided, oh, fuck, I can resign. She resigned from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service in 1951 to pursue a full-time writing career um, after the popularity of The Sea Around Us. Um, With her fellowship combined income from her novels, she was able to purchase a small plot of land and build a house on the coast of Maine. Wow. In 1955, she published The Edge of the Sea, another popular seller. At this point, Rachel had not married or expressed any interest in men. Same. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) While she was in Maine, she met a woman named Dorothy Freeman, who was a wife and a mother. Dorothy's family had summered in Maine (gasps) for many years. She's a lesbian? Rose. Oh, sorry. Stop trying to tell my story. <laughs> the two started a very intense but secret love affair. Love affair. Love is in the air. Ooh, love is in the air. Don't they know being a lesbian is wrong? God doesn't like lesbians. You think? That's what I heard. Oh, is it? You think? Oh, they just need to go to the camp to make them better. Yeah. That's true. If they go to the camp and they pray really hard, they won't be lesbians. Yeah, that's right. They pray it away. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. Go is to pray the it away. Chick-fil-A and get some cheeking and go to the pray away the gay. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn hates Chick-fil-A. Well, that's because they donate money to pray away the gay camps. I don't. And if you go there, you are donating I money know. to those camps. That's why I never go there. That's that's right. Because if I find you there, I will slash your tires. <laughs> I'm like, oh, let's get chicken. Never mind. Let's get 
We'll go to the El Carbon. <laughs> so the two started a very intense love affair.、Um, everyone thought they were just very good friends, but their letters to each other told a much different story. Rose, just like our love letters. It is true, very true. Our text messages, <laughs> so bad. <laughs> When they would write letters to each other, they would enclose two letters in the envelope: one to read to the rest of the family. And then one to be read privately. Oh, and then that's a good idea. And then、oh, the way they agreed upon it was to be immediately destroyed. That's how I see. Lynn texts me under her name, Lynn Pontillo, and that's for my whole family to see. And then she texts me under her her milf spy name, <laughs> milf. hot mom. <laughs> hot mom. <laughs> Very funny. That's her sexy name. That's my sexy name. <laughs> my screen name is Luscious Lynn. <laughs> Luscious Lynn. Don't look. Don't Google that. You'll get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. You can Google it all you want, but I'm not sure what comes up.、Um, sadly,、It's、most of the pictures their... I posted of you. Oh, good grief! Sadly, <laughs> my feet. Sadly, most of the correspondences were destroyed before Rachel died. However, all that were left were publicized by Friedman's granddaughter in 1995, as always. Ra- always. Comma Rachel, which I think is so sweet. In nineteen what? Nineteen ninety five. Okay. The letters of Rachel Carson and Dorothy Freeman, nineteen fifty two to nineteen sixty four, an intimate portrait of a remarkable friendship. I would love to read that. Did she know they were lesbians? Yeah, the granddaughter did. Like、okay. she found. So why did she say friendship then? <clears throat> well, I mean that's what everyone thought it was.、Oh, okay. So. Um, Rachel was like insistent, like you have to destroy these when you get it. You, like it's it's like automatically you destroy. Yeah,、them. right. And apparently,、um, Freeman was not didn't destroy them all. She kept some, so that's how the granddaughter.、Oh. But there was not there was a lot that were destroyed. In 1957, Rachel's niece died, leaving no one to care for her three year old son. So now her, you know, the niece that she raised. Because her sister died,、oh、my God. had、so、now died, and now she、kid? has to raise a three-year-old Jeez, son.、Louise. So she went ahead and adopted him. Good thing she was a lesbian and didn't have her own kids, right? And moved to Silver Spring, Maryland, to care for her aging mother at the same time. Jeez, her mother died in 1958, and one year later, Rachel was diagnosed with breast cancer. She wrote several other articles designed to teach people about the wonder and the beauty of the living world, including "Help Your Child to Wonder" in 1956 and "Our Ever-Changing Shore" in 1957, and soon began work on another book on the ecology of life. Miss,、uh, Rachel's work was filled with the idea that humans were just one component of nature, differentiated mainly by their ability to change it, sometimes irreversibly. irreversibly. During World War II, the military used DDT to stop the spread of typhus by killing lice. Soon after the war, the chemical companies sold DDT and other pesticides commercially for crops and home gardens. So this is like everyone's like, "Oh, look at these pesticides! We're going to kill all the bugs!" <laughs> everyone's like, "Whoa, yeah, no more bugs!" Don't worry about cancer. Yeah. So she was totally disturbed by the reckless use of the synthetic chem- chemical, synthetic chemicals, and pesticides after World War II. World War II. <laughs> <laughs> Because it hadn't been tested for civilian use, and many other living and many living creatures were dying, so she had access to the documentation and the testing and the and、oh, okay, all the information、yeah. because she was in the she had been in the U.S. Wildlife、yeah. Fisheries, so she had access to these documents and she was reading up on it. It's like nobody has tested this on humans. Nobody's tested it on living things besides bugs. Yeah, it kills lice. 
But what else does it kill, right? People. So she hesitantly switched her priority to caution the public about the long-term effects of pesticide misuse. In Silent Spring in 1962, she questioned, this is her book, she questioned agricultural scientists and government policies, calling for a shift on how humans perceive the natural world. This makes me so excited. You know how I love this kind of stuff. Chemical companies sought to discredit her as a communist because back then, oh, you're a communist. That makes everyone hate you, right? Or what's the other thing, Rose? She's a hysterical woman. Oh, yeah, hysterical woman. She's hysterical. She's She's crazy. crazy. Lock her up. Put her in her. She's never had a husband. She's hysterical. (laughs) Yeah, you knock your motherfucking balls off. So many pulled their ads from the CBS Reports TV special on April 3rd, 1963, entitled A Silent Spring of Rachel Carson. But Rachel was not going to be silenced. Roughly 15 million viewers turned into the show. And that, combined with the President John F. Kennedy's Science Advisory Committee report, which validated Carson's research, making pesticides a major public issue. So people were listening to her. Thank God. Even though she was a hysterical woman. Um, she, she actually testified before Congress in 1963. She called for new policies to protect human health and the environment. She was so ahead of her time. She spoke out to remind us that we are vulnerable part of the natural world subject to the same damage as the rest of the ecosystem. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's going to be fine. She's like, no, you're killing people. Yeah, right. It's like, like cancer. In, it's not okay. In, increase and. In, Sadly, like, but we're making money. Yeah, we're making money. Everyone's making money. And they were probably like dumping stuff into local rivers and stuff at the same time. So sadly, at this time, she was sick from the radiation, but kept it a secret. She was terribly afraid to let the public know. She wore a wig to cover her hair loss when she testified in 1963. And I I like I started reading stuff and I was like, I thought I found something about why she didn't want anyone to know she had cancer. And then I went back and I couldn't find it. I was going to ask that like. I don't understand why she didn't want anyone to know, and I, the only thing I could figure, because I couldn't find it, I, I, and honestly, we have a very limited time to research this, yeah. so I don't know, I mean, how much deeper I could have dove, but the only thing I could figure is that she thought that people were thinking, that people would think that she was only going after the, the chemical companies because, because she, she had, had cancer, cancer. Yeah. instead of it Maybe. was, so that's the only thing I can figure, uh, that's my... Take, but also, not, I, I think people that. back then were, well, what year was this? This was um, like in the 50s? 1963. Yeah, people back then were also very weird about that kind of thing. Yeah. It was, yeah, everyone's like, oh, they're very, you know, they're very bad, like 19, yeah. Like you would you would be very ashamed so, of being Oh, you're sick. like, you hated the communists. Yeah. You're very much, you're a big support of your country. Everyone yeah. like right. respected the country. Like people, did, like, yeah, everybody, there was like Democrats and Republicans, but everybody supported our president. Yeah, people like right. backed. And back in that time, it wasn't like if there was a president, whether you were Democrat or Republican, you supported the president. Yeah, I remember those times. And it's like, don't share your finance, anything about your financial right. situation, your marriage. Well, my grandma would say, life. don't tell nobody your business. That's exactly. That's how it was. Now you they tell, throw a chinkasa on you. You tell everybody jinx. your business. Yeah. I tell everybody my business all the time. Yeah. So... The Silent Spring launched, listen to this, the book, The Silent Spring, yeah. launched the passing of the Clean Air Act in 1963, the Wilderness Act in 1964, the National Environmental Policy Act of 1969, 
the Clean Water Act and the Endangered Species Act, both of 1972, and led to the establishment of the Environmental Protection Agency in 1970. Holy crap. So her book got all, it was like a snowball, yeah. got all this stuff rolling. That's and I'm crazy. like, oh, I love this. So this is not what she would imagine for her life when she was writing radio stories for the, like, when people sat around and listened to the radio. She was yeah, writing right. stories for the Bureau of Fish, the U.S. Bureau of Fisheries year before. She's like, no idea this is where her life was going. Um, she received medals from the National Audubon Society and the American Geographical Society and an induction into the American Academy of Arts and Letters. After a long battle with breast cancer, Rachel Carls- Rachel. Why can't I say that? After a long battle of cancer. Margarita. Jalapeno <laughs> 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 <Paul Pino> Margarita. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not funny that she died, but Rachel. It's hard to say. Rachel Carls- Carlson. Rachel Carson, the person I'm doing the story on, I can say her name, died in 1964 at age 57, two years after her book's publication. Oh, that's so, so young. I know. 57. I mean, think, I mean, then you think about, like, I was like, holy shit, she did a lot. Like, I know. I mean, I'm 54. I haven't done a fourth of what she's done. That's like, Get to work, Lynn. The woman I was talking about, like, two weeks ago, who was like, I don't remember who it was or what she did, but by, like, 30, she had accomplished all this shit. I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, this woman had, like... She had resigned from working from the fisheries. She was doing, like, bought a house and built a house in Maine. Yeah, and, then she and she took care of, like, 10 that. people. Took, yeah. like, so her witnesses, her witness for the beauty and the integrity of life continues to inspire new generations to protect the living world and its creatures. In 1980, she was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom, Aww, post, yeah. you know, post-death, um, and her homes are now considered national historic landmarks. Oh, and various wow. awards bear her name. Isn't that cool? Aww. I would love. I'm gonna. I want to look up her house in Maine and see, like, because I feel like yeah. it was like on the ocean. It was her writing house, so it had to be cool. In a television interview, she once stated that man's endeavors to control nature by his powers to alter and destroy would inevitably evolve into a war against himself, a war he would lose unless he came to terms with nature. And that is That's so true. It's so true because yeah. now it's like it's like people like, can you recycle? People are like, oh, it's just like, you know, they're not recycling. Half the stuff's not getting recycled. Do your part. Yeah. Do your fucking yeah. part and recycle. Like even if it's like just minimal compost, whatever you have to do. Yeah. So, so your curbside doesn't take cardboard. Go to the fucking recycling center and drop off your cardboard. I mean, like, little stuff like that. It's just, it's important. Buy organic soil. Buy organic, I don't know. Anyway, so that's my... I'm feeling attacked. Yes. Are you feeling attacked? <laughs> Good. Good, Rose. Well, then you know how bad I am. And you'll get better. I, I do try. I do try to do, like, little things. Before you buy anything, call me, and I'll talk to you about it. I cannot. You're you're too, like, you're on this side, and I'm on this side, and I'm... No. I need we're to... not on different sides, no, I mean, but you're like on like a scale. You're well, on I also side, I'm on one side, and we need to meet in the middle, and it's hard. I and also I'm don't trying. have children, so I have a little more time to devote. Yeah, but I don't have to worry about my children because they're almost adults. So I don't have to worry about a world being not here for them like you do for your kids. Just saying. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you do you do you, Rose, but your kids they're not going to have shit. You know what? I mean, everybody's going to get shot to <laughs> death. At some point, so it doesn't yeah. really matter. Oh, I mean. my God. Don't even. Okay. <laughs> so to honor Carson's legacy, 
the Fish and Wildlife Service designated one of its refuges. Refuges. Sorry, I'm not cutting that because you said refuges. Refuge (laughs) near her summer home in the coast of Maine. The Rachel, <laughs> the Rachel Carson National Wild Refuge in 1969. So near her house in Maine, there's a wildlife refuge, Aww. which is really cute. <laughs> Y'all go to browse us and get two margaritas. Tell, you how, tell me how you feel when you're done, girl. <laughs> I don't feel like Lynn. She's she's having some issues over I know, there. I know. Well, I, this is a hard No, it's hard when you words. talk. Yeah. Right. Roger, it's hard to talk. Rose <laughs> said, I understand it's hard to talk. So, Roger Christie, Carson's grandnephew, the one she adopted, yeah. an adopted son, uh, went to school after her death for software engineering. He is a software engineer in, engineer in Massachusetts and still sits on the board of, her, of Rachel Carson Council. Aww. Isn't that's that so super sweet? sweet. So. What a sweetie pie! I this story is pretty cool. I, I'm I'm excited for my nieces and my kids to listen to it. They don't. I'll listen. have to pay them, but <laughs> they don't want to listen to this crap. Yeah, everybody tag them. Every, so what I want you to do is when you listen to the story, be like, "Oh, you can you can just reply to our story, um, and say, oh, Lynn's kids should listen to this, and then I'll tag them in it. We'll guilt them into it.'" They all go to therapy, so it'll work. They're getting you're getting money money's worth for it. So yeah, but their therapist will be like, you don't have to feel like you need to listen to your mom's podcast. She's manipulating you. Yep, yep. And she has issues. Yep. Yeah. And then I could go on. <laughs> <laughs> we could go on and on and on and on. I don't want to get into how on. your kids feel about you. Okay. Okay, Rose. Well, that's my story about Rachel Carson, and I think she Carson. I just have a really hard time saying her name. I think she's pretty cool. Like the fact no, she's that she awesome. started all those environmental. It's just like everyone else is just like, oh, let the pesticides kill the world. Yeah. So if it weren't for people like that, we'd be in even worse trouble than we already are. Well, my dad. So when we were younger, my dad used to use um, Roundup. Roundup in the yard all the time because it was safe. <laughs> yeah. Roundup was was advertised yeah. and and sold as safe it was a safe like because my parents were definitely into more like organic kind of stuff we're not they? like totally but yeah. just more so than normal like we belong to a co-op and stuff like that so my dad used roundup because it was supposed to be safe but my dad ended up having cancer like the that's that like non yeah non um hodgkin's lymphoma that's exactly what caused but for someone like him that just used it in his yard, how do you prove that? Yeah, right. It's not like and he would work in a landscaping company. It. Could have been like when he was looking the paint off the wall or something. Well, my dad didn't do that, Rose. My dad's smart. Oh, you don't know what your dad did in the 70s? He didn't lick the paint off the wall. The 70s were wild, Len. For your mom, not for my dad. My dad was a hardworking man. My dad didn't fuck around. <laughs> My dad never smoked, never did anything like that in high school. Really? Never even, he's never even tried a cigarette in his whole life. Are you serious? I swear to God. Charlotte was asking me the other day if I If ever she smoked. could try and smoke. No, if I've ever smoked. She's like, Mommy, have you ever smoked? And I was like, cigarettes? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, no. Like, I was like, yeah, I tried it when I was young. And what did she tell me? She told me something like. <laughs> something she learned in school oh, about no, how she. No, it was our neighbor's mom. <laughs> She was talking to her neighbor's mom for some reason. Oh, my God. Charlotte's she's like, over yeah. there. She told me she's trying to quit and it's really hard and that you shouldn't smoke. And I was like, yeah, that's true. 
my God. Because Charlotte's over there trying to play with the neighbor's kid. And the neighbor's kid won't play with her. Charlotte's hanging out on the front porch with the mom while she's smoking. Like, can you talk to me since your son won't play with me? So she wouldn't tell Chris what they had talked about. And Chris was like, I know they talked about church because we have issues with Charlotte talking to our neighbors about church. And there's just there are some issues there. Not that we don't want her to learn about church, but just that we don't feel like she shouldn't be learning about it from our neighbors. <laughs> so Does she smokes. So the mom, I don't think the mom goes to church. So the, she just lives with them. So um, <laughs> she just lives there. She yeah. doesn't go to. She doesn't go to church. She just lives there. <laughs> okay. So anyway, sounds like a great setup. <laughs> so um, Chris is like, I don't think. Um, I think they were talking about church again. And I'm like, well, I'm going to find out what they were talking about because I don't want my daughter talking to some random person. I don't, I've never even right. met her, the mom. And I'm like, I don't want her talking to somebody I don't know. And like, who God knows what this person's telling her. Yeah. What is she telling her that? So she's like, I don't, I'm like, what did you guys talk about? She's like, I don't want to tell you. I'm like, you need to tell me, Charlotte. Like, no secrets. I was like, you know, you can't, I'm not comfortable with you talking to an adult and not, and me not knowing what it's about. Yeah. Like, that's not, that's not okay, you know? Yeah. And she was like, oh, she's like, well, we just talked about, she told me about her kids. And then it wasn't, it was just very, like, she was just having a conversation with Charlotte yeah. and probably was like, oh, this poor kid. <laughs> Nobody wants to play with Nobody her. Nobody wants to play with her. No, the neighbor kids do play with her, but she was like, you know, probably bothering this poor lady. And and they started talking about cigarettes because I guess I don't know if she was smoking on this porch or she was trying to quit or what, but that's why Charlotte brought why up cigarettes. Why she had a conversation with Charlotte about? I don't know. I I don't know. I, I I thought the whole conversation was weird, but maybe I should take Charlotte to get ice cream and see if I can get anything out of her. <laughs> why would the lady be talking to her about? I mean, the only thing I can figure is that she like lit up a cigarette, and Charlotte's like, "Ew, it's, you smoke? That's gross." Yeah, it's possible. I can see her doing that. It's possible because she just sit on the porch a lot, so I wonder if she does smoke. Yeah. And and Charlotte was like, "What is that?" Because she's probably never even seen a cigarette. That's probably. And true. she probably asked her, and Charlotte's like, "Not Ew, shy about those asking are gross. questions." <laughs> well, she's probably like, "What is that? I want some." Oh. And then was like, "Because she's never seen one, and I doubt they've talked about it in school yet." And so she was probably asking questions, and then she the. Mom was like, "Well, she you should seen a picture of the David. That's kind of like a cigarette. Is it the penis <laughs> a shriveled up cigarette? It's like a cigar. It's like the um, the butt of a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's I don't know. That's weird that she didn't want to tell you at first. No, because she feels like because because of the church thing, she yeah. feels like she's going to get in trouble. Because yeah, no, but I mean, I mean, I feel like." She, yeah, I mean, that's probably exactly what happened. She was, like, over there, and the lady smoked, and she was probably like, ew, what is that? Yeah, exactly. And it's not even like they see it on TV anymore, really, to be honest. Right. I'm, I'm sure she's like, never, ever seen seeing it. it on TV all the time. Like, it was on cartoons and everything when we were kids. Yeah, I mean, when we went um, to Gettysburg last year, they we went to, like, a candy shop, and they had the, the play cigarettes, mm. the candy cigarettes. Remember those? Absolutely, and they would, like, puff out smoke. And I was going to buy some for Joseph, and my sister's like, don't do that. <laughs> they were so much fun. I was like, what? They were like bubble gum, and yeah. then they give you, because they had, like, powder around them. so cool. When yeah, oh, my God, hell yeah. <laughs> Kids don't know. They don't know what they're missing. Yeah, they don't. Those and Pop Rocks, yeah. Yeah. We had the best childhood. All right, Rose, well, I'm going to go home and... Yeah, i got to go home and pack... Yeah, Rose gets to go out of town while I have to s- stuck in my house. That's okay. You can come with me. Okay. All right. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, you guys, make sure you follow us on the Insta, the Facebook, and the TikTok at No Ordinary Women Pod, and the TikTok on No Ord Women, O R D, Pod. No, that's Twitter. Did I say TikTok? I meant Twitter. Oh, my God. Sorry, guys. I'm fucking tired. That's why I'm going to fire her from Please, this. please. Remember I promoted her to VP of please. social media? Yeah, she's, she's firing me. She's gotten so, super demoted. Please like, rate, and review us. Please. Please share us with your On friends. Apple Podcasts. Please. Huh? On Apple. On Apple. On Spotify. I don't know if you can do... Yes. Can you do it on Spotify? And you can also do it on Amazon. Okay. You can do it on any of those ones. Do, do it, them all. Do, do them, them all. all. Go on every single thing and like us and and follow us. You yeah. only have to listen on one, but do it. Please and do leave it. leave us a rating and a review. Katerina, we're, we're counting on you. Come on, Katerina. Katerina, we're counting on you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll have her on in a couple months. Yeah, we got to learn how to do that. Yeah, we have no idea. <laughs> Look, if it's outside these four very short walls, we have no idea what to do. All right. Well, until next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.